Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. As prices keep creeping up, your entertainment budget doesn't have to take a hit. Live One Plus has all the music you love, ad-free for only $3.99 per month. Dive into Live One's massive library of songs, listen to curated playlists, or create your own. Check out exclusive artist-hosted stations and do it all for the best price in streaming. Lock in a Live One Plus membership for just $3.99 per month now, and you'll not only beat inflation, you'll get all your favorite music ad-free. Check out liveone.com slash best music for details. Ding dong. It's Drizzly. I have your drink delivery. Thanks so much. Is it margarita stuff? Uh, is it whiskey for your anniversary that's coming up? How did you know my Anna? Or is it an order from your future self who time traveled to make sure you stayed in with a cocktail instead of going to the bar where a mysterious portal is slurping people up? Uh, I hope not. Mezcal. Oh, I was close. So close. High five. Get the right libation for whatever situation with alcohol delivery from Drizzly. Download the Drizzly app or order online at drizly.com. Ding dong. It's Drizzly. Behind every good story is an interesting person. This is Person of Interest with Q102's Jeff Thomas. Cincinnati chef Jean-Robert DeCavell is celebrating 40 years in the restaurant business, 25 of which he spent here in Cincinnati. He came to Cincinnati in 1993 to take over the famous five-star mobile-rated Masonette restaurant. From there, he opened Jean Robert at Pagal's, which, if he wasn't famous before, this is the restaurant that really put him on the map. Since then, he's opened places like Jean Robistro, Faux Paris, Green Up Cafe, Lava Matic, and now the upscale restaurant L in Great American Tower, Table, French Crust Cafe, La Barre Bouffe, Frenchie Fresh in Norwood, and Jean Bob's Burgers at Paul Brown Stadium. This guy is everywhere. So how did he get here? Has he always wanted to be a chef? What does a guy like Jean Robert cook up for his family when he's not at work? On this week's Person of Interest, we get to know the man behind that kitchen door, Jean Robert. I'm a cook, you know, and that's what I do. I cook, you, you know. You consider and yourself then, a cook? Of course I do, of course. What is you the know? difference and between a cook and a chef? It's huge difference. The chef is the one who is on charge. The cook is the one who is... Every one of us are cooks, you know, like, you know, it's been a soldier. You could be a captain and you can be a commandant. You're still a soldier, you know, and it's kind of the same way, you know, like, you know, but it's only one, you know, it's only one commandant. It's only one captain. It's, and that's the way it is. So when you become chef, you're not, it's not a, when, when young people say I'm a chef and they're cooks, I, I always get in my generation, no, you, a chef is the one who is on charge. I mean, you on charge of something, you know, so chef de cuisine, you're on charge of the kitchen, executive chef, I mean, you're on charge if you have multiple location, 
You know, so did you always know you wanted to be a cook or a chef? <laughs> I, I, you know, as one one of these very, I mean, my parents, I should say more than me, but my parents were very lucky parents because uh, since I've been, been a young teenager, that's always something I want to do. And I think as a parent, uh, I think it's a nice thing when you, you know, when your kids know know what they want to do. And so I was, I always want to do it. I mean, I think when I was in my Young teenage age, I know it's what I want to do, and what, I don't even know what why. Made you want to do? Yeah, I was just. It's say, one of these things, you know, could come from my mom. I mean, I'm from a you know five five children family. My mom never went to work. I mean, she worked as hard than any other people who went to work, but she never, you know, she was working at home, feeding us breakfast, lunch, and dinner um, seven days a week. I mean, my dad took over the kitchen on Sunday, and it's something he loved to do. I mean, he didn't do the cleanup, but loved to do the cooking. And then my mom did the cleanup on Monday, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And so I think that probably, you know, growing up and under this environment, I think that make me feel like, you know, we 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 we, you know, I had the chance to go to a restaurant once in a while with my family, and then so I experienced, you know, the tilting yourself. And I don't know. I think it's little little many fact, you know, a lot of little factor who who make me really enjoy it. And I enjoy, you know, I enjoy, I always enjoy being in the kitchen with my mom, with my grandmother. I always did enjoy helping and putting things together. And and you have to have a love for food, I would think, too, right? I think it's one of this, you know, it's one of this, you know, it's, you know, I think many business you could do without passion and it's many business you need to do it with passion. Yeah. And I think that's one of them where it's a, it's a lifestyle. It's a, and of course, you know, you, you, you have a chance to do so many different things. And I know it's very interesting in the restaurant industry, I mean, in the food industry, because if you really think about it, a butcher will almost do the same job on a daily basis or weekly basis. I have a brother who used to be a baker. I mean, you go you go to his, to his place at the same time, 7 o'clock in the morning, you will know he will do the same thing every single Always feel confident on your second date. With help from the Plastic Surgery Group, schedule a consultation at 513-791-4440 or at theplasticsurgerygroup.com. Surgery has an art. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Because the bread has to be ready for the customer, and, and it was not many different, you know, it was not many different things it could do. The beautiful thing about being a cook, and people sometimes don't realize that, it's like, you know, people order different things. The season brings you different vegetables. So it's like it's never it's never the same. You know, one day everybody decides to eat the, the, you know, the meat of the day. The next day everybody decides to eat the fish. And, you know, so you always do the same, you know, it's the same job. But at the same time, it's so many different things. You touch so many different things. You see it's a lot of learning experience. And, um, and, you know, we all talk about farm to table. We always laugh about it because, you know, farm to, what that mean? I mean, you know, since, it's, since it's the very trendy, time, farm to table is <laughs> very but, trendy now, right? I guess I'm not, I don't like trend, but cause you know, farm to table, I mean, for, for me, food comes from the farm, you yeah. know what I mean? So, so, so for you, my, it's always been farm that, to table. That's what it is. You yeah. know, and I think it's not only for, for us, but you know, for everyone, I mean, for everyone, the food comes from the farm. I mean, you know what I mean? And, and I like, I mean, the local thing is really important to me because that you start realizing the local the local products are the best products because they don't have far to travel for for you know for you to cook them and then for you to enjoy them so 
It's such a very creative business, too, when you think about I mean, the, the food not just tastes wonderful, but it's a work of art. It's beautiful to look at. Is there a lot of pressure to be creative in that way? You know, it's one of the things, you know, and I, I try to explain that to uh, young people who want to be part of it. And, and another thing I, I like to, you know, without being, and of course it's a long conversation, but I like to consider cooks and chefs as artists. Yes. But we are more like craftsmen. You know, it's like we are doing a craft. And doing a craft, that means we have to be ready when the customer needs us, when the customer are ready to eat, when, you know, the products have to be cooked. You know, so I always compare my, you know, when people talk about an artistic, it's, it's definitely an artistic job if you decide to do work with the season and work with, you know, seasonal products and work with, a, and I and the restaurant is and more more artistic, the restaurant need to be different, you know, because you you need to make a difference from the other restaurant who's doing something different. And But in the end of the day, we are craftsmen. I mean, we are doing, we are, we are building something and the expectation is really is really is really strong from the other side of the of the of the restaurant. You know, people have a lot of high expectation. So I think it's uh, you know when the door open, you have to be ready. I always say like we are like Broadway Broadway show. You know, like when you see a Broadway show or when you see a beautiful performance, you know, you think they are doing that for you. You sit there in that room yeah. and you feel like they are connected with you. And but you know, they've been on the road. They've been doing it thousand times. Uh, after they're done with your show, they do another one later on. They move to another town to doing the same thing. But what you want them to do at that time when you're there and one of the one of the person in the room, you want them to do it for you. You know what I mean? And I think it's a very similar in the restaurant business. It's like that's becoming part of like your experience. I mean, it's all about ex- cooking. I mean, cooking and restaurant is all about experience. It's all about making people feel feel important, make people feel, give them memories, give them, I mean, it's, you know, a, a different level. I mean, it can be a very basic. Is that why you and Richard Brown work so well together? Because I feel like Richard Brown, who you co-own Restaurant L oh, with, oh, yeah. yes. and you have, have worked with Richard going back to the days of the Masonette, oh, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. He is one of those guys that when you walk into the place, whether he's laid eyes on you before or not, you always feel like a VIP. You know, you always feel like you're a like you're a rock star. Yeah, I mean that's exactly what it is. I mean, I like uh, you know when I talk about experience. I mean, of course, you know, you automatically thinks when you go somewhere, the food will be automatically have to be good. You know, right. but I think it's part of an experience of the first. You know, even even the, you know when you make reservation. I mean, even when you talk to someone on the phone and they really make you feel like. You know, you cannot wait to be there. And, I'm, you know, that's, I'm really talking, we, we're really talking about high-end, high-end, more like a high-end restaurant, not the restaurant where you decide to go pop in because it's a, you know, it's a Tuesday night and you don't feel like cooking at home. So you're going to go to one of the neighborhood restaurants. But in the end, I think you want to be recognized. In the end, you want to feel welcome. In the end, you want to feel like, you want to see that, you know, making feel like you are, you are going to really enjoy yourself. And, and, and then so it's a huge human, human being uh, um, um, relationship between you know between a maitre d and yes. and someone who have never been to the restaurant and and then that's where the the experience starts you know and I think Richard and I we've been working at the mess you know I know Richard knows for like we'll be twenty five years by the end of the year and you know we have I mean you know everybody in town he, you know we, we have been working in three different restaurants together he came and showed me at Pigalls when I reopened Pigalls and then we we did this restaurant um, and so that's like you know to make sure you know people understand is what we. What we give them is, an, you know, it's an experience, it's memories. It's such a special experience to be able to try something new, to try flavor combinations that are put together that we may not have ever imagined putting together. It is sort of dinner and a show sometimes. It's, it's what, I mean, you know, it's what it is. And I think, I mean, I think, you know, going to, why do we go to a restaurant? 
I mean, you know, I mean, I always love to say, <laughs> I always love to say those little silly things. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a tankery and tonic drinker. You know, I like to drink a tankery and tonic. And I say, what do you think is the best tankery and tonic you can have? And it's in my house, you know, because <laughs> it can be done the way I want it. You know, if I want yeah. more tonic, I will put more tonic. If yes. I want more ice cube, I put more ice cube, depending on, you know, what, if I'm going to have one or if I'm going to have two. But, you know, people still go to restaurant, people still go to bar because, they, you know, they want to be taken care of. And I think today with social media, madness and all of that connection all the time, like, you know, like, have you look at your email every two minutes to make sure you have not missed one. Mm. I think going to a restaurant and I, regardless the level of the restaurant, regardless if it's just a little place on you're on vacation and you stop by on a side road and then it's like, a, you know, you, you, you know the food's going to be made, made by a cook and it's going to be tasty. It's giving you that experience, that memories. And then you start talking with the person you have dinner with or lunch with, you know, the person you spend time with. So treating yourself is something I think more and more is we are going to look for. And I think that's one of the reasons the dining out is becoming more and more important to people. Yeah, I do feel it's more important now today than it was 20 years ago, where we have so many people today that consider themselves foodies. Foodies, yeah. This industry has networks. Oh, uh, it's it's unbelievable. This past 15 years, I'm, you know, and it's, you know, we saw that in Cincinnati, you know, quite strongly, you know, with all of the different type of restaurants, different type of ethnic restaurants, different type of, you know, no people, you know, no, I think, you know, you before you, I think, uh, the foodies used to go to Chicago. I mean, they always have good, solid restaurants in Cincinnati, like, you know, like any other market. But I think today you definitely have more, you know, range of wonderful restaurants where people just give you that experience and you look for. What is your favorite restaurant that's not a Jean Robert restaurant? Here? You know, it's, 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 it's a hard question to answer because it's like, you know, it's, you know, I go to every restaurant and I know people, you know, I know people and, uh, and I'm actually a very, uh, I consider myself a very low critic because I, you know, and I go with the flow. I mean, I have a group of friends of mine where we enjoy doing brunch and we try to go everywhere and, yeah. you know, I mean, and, and I can mention restaurant, but then it would be not fair to the one I will not mention because right. I go, I try to go everywhere on, for like brunch. We try to go everywhere. I always go for the late brunch. And it's, it could be the neighborhood restaurant too. You know, I live in Newport and sometimes we visit the neighborhood restaurant and because, you know, I don't feel like cooking and I don't feel like going, driving anywhere. And so I think, you know, Cincinnati have so many, so many restaurants. I mean, you know, I mean, every, I mean, I can mention so many restaurants Do because the, does, of... Does the atmosphere change? I would think that if I was running a restaurant and, and Jean Robert walked into my restaurant, I would feel a lot of pressure. <laughs> I, don't you think that would be? I would feel. I would think that would be very high pressures. They're like, oh my goodness, Jean Robert is here. Like, I better not screw up tonight. Do you notice people acting I, weird? I do. do they you get know, nervous? Sometimes people don't recognize me right away. But then maybe a maybe a, you know a customer will be sitting in the same room and then they may say something and then right. suddenly I can feel like the you can tell suddenly I feel the busted. turn yeah. I feel or the turn <laughs> you know I feel the turn what do you so. like to make when you're at home you know we talked about how uh-huh. when you're at home you can make your tangerine and tonic the way you like it <laughs> what kind of food do you like to so, make so you know at home is actually it's kind of funny because it's a you know I have a my daughter always know, you know, on Monday, it's most of the time I take the, I try to take the Monday evening off and, um, and that's where I do the cooking. I mean, you know, I'm like my wife will tell you because I'm a cook, she doesn't cook very much, you know, and, and she don't even experience. So, you know, so I'm the one who always have to end up by doing the, you know, I'm doing the cooking and, and, uh, and it's really based on simple, tasty. And on Monday, most of the time when I pick up my daughter from school, you know, we spend some time together and I would say, Hey, what do you feel like eating tonight? And, and then, you know, so she'd direct me to something and then I do something quickly. And, and of course, you know, I, 
it's, it's completely unfair to some other cooks because I could do it faster. I could do it, you know, I could do it quick. And uh, so I do anything. I mean, I do, you know, I mean, I, you know, I mean, we just had a, you know, we just had a dinner and um, last night and then I did, uh, you know, it was a, I did, my daughter wants some beef, so I did filet mignon with some sauces. I mean, I'm, you know, I have good resources too with the restaurant too, so, you know. So, so, so is that where you do your food shopping? Is you shop at the restaurant? Or most of the time to... I do that. I mean, you know, yeah. it's the same thing you were talking about being, on, being in the restaurant. It's a but perk. If I go to if I go to a grocery store sometime, it's quite a funny to see when people recognize me and they try to sneak and see what I have in my basket and asking me question which one I should you know what avocado I should pick. Yeah. It's kind of cute, you know. But but it's that you know that's the thing I, you know, I'm very thankful because that's what you know you're part of a community where they I got you know I have the respect and I and I love the community and I think that's part of a being a little celebrity into what I do into that you know, to a to a city. So Jean Robert, do you have uh, in your home? Do you have a gas stove, an electric stove? Yes, I do have. I do have. I do have a gas stove. A gas I mean, stove. I do have a gas stove. I do have. I do have a nice. I do have a very nice two convection oven. Um, yeah, I put a nice little setup when uh, when we moved to Newport uh, almost ten years over ten years ago, and I put a nice little setup. And um, so it's like you know they. And kind of like what they call like commercial home commercial um you know stove and then, and then right. conviction oven you know and i think it's make it easy i mean you know so coming up next as person of interest continues more from jean robert as he talks about his life growing up in france the path that got him here how the restaurant business has changed and how the people of cincinnati got him through one of the darkest times in his life we'll be back with more person of interest in a moment And now, Person of Interest with Q102's Jeff Thomas continues. Welcome back to Person of Interest. We're speaking with Jean-Robert Cabell, who is arguably the most famous chef in Cincinnati, if not this entire region. We're going to talk about how he came to Cincinnati and why he stayed longer than he originally planned. We'll also talk about how the restaurant business has changed over the past 15 to 20 years and how the people of Cincinnati got him through one of the toughest darkest times in his life so you come from france obviously mm-hmm. uh, what part of france from? i'm from north of france so close to belgium it's 200 kilometers ab- uh, above paris and 200 kilometers under bruxelles so if you go straight out to bruxelles yeah. walk us through the path of how you got from- you know it's one of this uh been in a family of five and uh, we did travel we did travel I mean, actually my dad was traveling for food we went to you know we went to different type part of france like alsace so he can get his he can get this pate and this and this Alsatian wine and then we went to the Brittany where we could eat seafood and, and we traveled quite well you know as a family but i um but i realized also if you are um, if you are you know if you go to the pattern of cooking then you can go anywhere you know, and uh, so I did. Uh, I when you say go anywhere, I mean travel anywhere? You can travel like anywhere. You can travel anywhere because the language is, could be a barrier, but the food, the food language, it's the same everywhere, you know. Right. And um, and I, 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 I had a chance to travel a lot during my younger days. I mean, I, I did an apprenticeship. So apprenticeship, you know, I did an apprenticeship in a restaurant. That was kind of forced by my dad because my dad, you know, it's like at the time he knows what I want to do, but he wants to make sure I did on. It was the things I'm going to do. Was so. the apprenticeship, was that your first job in the restaurant? It was my business? first job. And I started the day when I turned 16. The, the day when I turned 16. When you're 16. And what kind of restaurant? Uh, it, was a, it was actually in the train station of Lille. So in the train station, at the train station, what was actually a very, I don't know when I got the, when I, when I got the apprenticeship contract, but it was actually an amazing place to learn because we had the fine dining restaurant. 
you know, and I mean the upscale restaurant. We had a huge amount of banquet uh, room and salon, and then we also had kind of like the fast serving restaurant. Uh, we had two fast serving restaurants into the train station where people were in and out. And I mean, fast it's not serving, fast food, like fast, fast food. serving. Yeah, oh. not fast food. It's oh, fast, no. serving. fast serving. So you know, you have forty five minutes to catch your second train or to okay. catch a train, and then you will have a you will have a meal very quickly, a bowl of soup, and a nice little men, you know, whatever broccoli chicken or something very quickly. So oh. I was able to be exposed into many different. Um, it was quite of a large organization, and actually, when you when when you think about it, um, and you look at the history of France. Most of the restaurants in the train station, uh, they were probably some of the best restaurants in France for a very long time. Really? Uh, turn of the century, because that's where people took their time and they were like, you know, doing, I mean, you know, that they were, you know, when they were, wait, were waiting for a connection of train, that's it. Then they went to the restaurant and if they had time, then they went to the fine, more fine dining. And then if they don't have the time, they went more to the more casual and fast service. Ah. So it was a very it was a very powerful apprenticeship. I mean, I learned a lot. I was surrounding with chef and chef and, and, and sous chef and and cooks who were very like, you know, I mean I mean at the time we don't even everything came from scratch. I mean we never you know, I mean I never you know, every fish were fresh. I mean everything was you know, I mean everything we never didn't do anything pre packaged or pre made or I mean I didn't never had that. And, and and so from there, I really did. I mean, I realized I, I want to travel. So, as a young man, I had to do my military time in France. And uh, so for one year, I was in my military. I did the military, and then after that, I went and I, I decided to really travel. And I then have to ask: Were you a cook in the military? I was actually I was actually driving trucks, and then half of it I was cooking in the I was cooking as well. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then I went to travel, and I went to Switzerland to the German part. Uh, and then I just travel. So, and I did what they call a seasonal job where you really go for six months. For six months, you go either on the water side during the summertime, and then you go to the ski side, to the mountain in the wintertime. Oh. And I did that for four years. So, all very different restaurants from where I was walking by myself was, you know, like more or less. I was not the chef, but I was the cook, you know, because it was small dining room, small restaurant. Right. Up to a, a restaurant where we were 110 cooks. Um, it's called Palace in France. And, I mean, like this very famous, you know, kind of like the, kind of like the Greenbrier or places like that. You right. know, like uh, that was on the border of the Atlantic Sea. And when I was during these four years, during that four years, a lot of my uh, a lot of my uh, chef or coworkers really f- they were less like telling me like I should go to fine dining because I had you know I, I really love what I was doing and I was really I really want to learn more and then and then from a uh, I really start going to really where the star Michelin was, and so I went to Monte Carlo, and it was uh, the f- one of the first star Michelin in Monte Carlo was one star. So it sounds like you were learning on the job as you went, like as you were hitting. Oh, all that's these a beautiful cities. thing about what you did, like, like we do, you know. And I'm still learning today. So you, you didn't go to like the Culinary Institute of uh, America or from mm-hmm. Europe or wherever. Yeah. I mean, did you have formal training in this field? Oh, I mean, you have to. I mean, when you do apprenticeship, you actually at you know, I work, I work uh, thirty hours a week, and I went to school for thirty hours. So oh, it was, okay. you know, you put you're sixteen years old, you put sixty hours of 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 between school and, and apprenticeship. Oh, no kidding. So, so, you know, so it's a, you know, and then you graduate as, you know, you, you get the same, you, you graduate. Right. Um, I think you, doing an apprenticeship was very, I mean, you know, in France is a little bit, Europe is a bit different than here, but it really, you know, and that's something I will say to young people most of the time who decide to join this business. You know what? If you graduate from high school or graduate, when you graduate, just 
maybe find a job somewhere for a year, you know, find a job for a year, try to find the right, you know, the right teacher, try to find the right people who are, who, who, who can give you that, you know, can share the passion if you have it. And then after that, you go to school and get your basic, you know, your basic understanding of what the business is all about. Almost take like a, like a gap year in between high yeah. school. And, and I will recommend that because, you know, it's a different, it's a different type of a job. You know, you, 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 you walk when people have a good time, you know, right. it's a, uh, so you stop in Monte Carlo. I mean, that must've been crazy. Living uh, in my, I mean, that's uh, one of the best. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. Unreal. We stayed in Ez. Oh yeah, beautiful. Uh, last year at this time, <laughs> it was gorgeous, stunning. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, it must have been hard for you to it's leave that part of the world. Over there. Yeah, you know. Oh you yeah, it was. It was. I, I, you know, I. It's. If I look back, I always, you know, I was. If I look back, what I did, you know, I, you know, I can share many stories. You know, like you know, like, you know, when I was walking, when I was walking for my, for my, when I used to stay. My little, my little uh, room that I had, and I walked to the restaurant. I saw young board all the time. You know, the tennis player because he had a store right there, and he yeah, always waved at me. I saw him like, you know, maybe if it was not twice a week, it was you know, no kidding, you know. And I waved at him, and I went to walk. And I mean, you know, you live in a different type of life when you live in in city like that. You yeah. know. And, and then from there, I, I left and I went to work in a three-star Michelin in Antibes. And oh, then, a three-star um, Michelin. Three-star Michelin in Antibes. Yeah, I went to work for the Rostand family. Who are, uh, the Michel Rostand was uh, the oldest son of the person I work with. Quite successful restaurant, a uh, few restaurants in Paris, and um, so. And then from that, working for Jean Rostand, uh, the name of the restaurant was called La Bonne Auberge, and it was like this very, very well-known restaurant between Cannes and Nice. So you know, if you were looking where you were going, where you were staying in the south of France. And, you know, you had the luxury to be able to enjoy your restaurant, high-end restaurant. La Bonneberge was a destination restaurant. No kidding. And it was just right there on the Route Nationale set. And talking about Aes was like right there, not far away from there. Right. Um, that's where um, they sent me to Caribbean. And that's where they start being responsible for the food and beverage and the kitchen of a very high-end restaurant hotel in the, in Anguilla. It doesn't exist anymore, but it's to be called the Maluiana Hotel. One of the top hotels in the world and the number one hotel in Caribbean. I mean, we'll be getting our, we'll be getting our, you know, from chicken de Brest, so the best chicken in the world. We'll be, you know, we're getting that from France. We're getting the lamb from France. We're getting the beef from America. I mean, it was like, you know, we were, um, and I walked there for, I did a season, I did a winter season in Caribbean, who I did love it too. And then after that, I moved to New York City. Now, what brought you to New York City? You were offered so, a same job? Same thing, yes. New York City was a little bit different. New York City, I was, uh, I was also with the same with the same chef that I worked for, the three-star Michelin chef and the family. is son on the two-star in Paris now and a few other restaurants with his daughter. And uh, they sent me to New York and they became the same thing. They became in charge of the restaurant of the Plaza Athene. It was an hotel in Paris and it was an hotel in New York City. It still exists on 64th Street. And I became the sous chef there. I was one of the sous chefs. Um, I just, you know, I just turned 26 years old and I was, you know, like, and New York was also, you know, being in New York was like, you know. What years were those? Do you remember what? No, year? yeah, it was 1986. 86. Mm -hmm. And you were in New York for how long? 86. I was in New York to until, until I moved to Cincinnati in the late 93, yes. Mm -hmm. So so you and I lived in New York at the same time. I was there from 90 to 93. Mm -hmm. You and I left New York around the same time, but I went elsewhere you came to Cincinnati I came to before Cincinnati. I did. Yeah. 
and it was to take the job. Were you? It was to take the job of the Maisonette. And how did they discover you? Did you? See, it was one of this. You know, it was one of this. I left the Plaza Athenee. Um, I've been there for so many years as a, as an executive chef. So I was a sous chef. Then the chef left, and then they hire another chef. They don't really work out. Uh, and then my GM. Uh, the time really wanted me to become the chef. So I had a chance to become the chef of the Plaza Athenee. I was 27 years old. And so I stayed there for many years. I, you know, I had a, a, some visa. And uh, and um, and then I left to open, to, to, to be part of a group. I opened a little restaurant in the village. And things was not really working very well. And it was 1993. I mean, it was 1992. And I have to say the... The economy in New York was really, really, you know, was not that strong, you know, and uh, mm. and I felt like I should have probably never left that restaurant, or not that hotel. And then um, I have a, you know, someone who's who I know for a long time because I know him since 1986. Was, of course, today is a very well-known chef. Is Daniel Boulou, because Daniel Boulou opened the Plaza Athenee, and when Daniel Boulou left the Plaza Athenee to go to Le Cirque, that's where I came with this chef from France. Um, so I know Daniel since 1986. And so uh, the Maisonette owners, they went to New York for the search of a, a young European chef. And then they went to see Daniel. They went to see many other restaurants. And they were also always talking to the chef, mentioning like, hey, we are we are on the look for a young chef. We're on the look of someone who could come to Cincinnati and take over a five-star restaurant. Or chef is retiring after 29 years. And that's where Daniel called me home. And, you know, and of course at the time it's no, you know, no cell phone, no you know, no very hard communication, you know what I mean? Right. You know, only if you think about it. So he called me, leave me a voicemail on my answering machine at home, and I met with him. And I mean, we were in this office and looking where Cincinnati is. I mean, it was always, <laughs> every time I said that, so it's funny now because it's like, you know, and I was really looking at our little follow facts, you know, our little map in the end of that, a little, and then looking where Cincinnati, when it was close to Cleveland, when it was close to Chicago, first let's find Chicago and Cleveland. Yeah. <laughs> And then somewhere and then there we'll we find it. So, mm-hmm. so you come to Cincinnati. I came. And you're under tremendous pressure to continue this legacy mm-hmm. of the Masonette, which is a, a five-star mobile, mobile. Mm-hmm. rated restaurant. Were you scared? I mean, you must have been terrified. I don't, you know what? I don't, I was not. I mean, I was not. I was not. I think also I have to be, I have to be, I have to, to really say, it's like, you know, you know, the chef, the chef was, you know, the chef was in this early 60s, want to retire, was around for almost, you know, three decades. And, you know, and I said the food, I've not, you know, the food is not better today than it was many years ago. No? I don't, I would, I would don't want to say that because, you know, I think what's different, it's, it's a generation, you know, it's a different generation. You know, so it's a different, it's a different, so of course you have, you have a little bit of a, you know, like contemporary way of doing things. Mm-hmm. You have more products available right there, you know, because by then, you know, you you were going to the Maisonette in the 50s. For them to get the fish was more difficult to get the fish from Europe than it is today. You know, it was more difficult for them. But right. It was no local products like we have it now. But um, I, it was different type of generation. And I think the foods go to different type of generation, you know, like the way. The, so the food was really like very... Very 1980s, ni- early 90s, you know, and I, when, I can, when I came, I didn't know what the f- type of food they were doing, and the food was definitely fresh and, 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 and best products you can find, but it's just the way you, you know, you were saying that earlier, just the way you put things on the plate. So you talk about the presentation, the presentation and the style of cooking, like, you know what, you know, like most of the fish were going to the flower band. I mean, you didn't cook fish without 
putting any flour on it. You know, you didn't cook any chicken without putting any flour on it. Interesting. You didn't put any veal without putting... My generation was... No, we realized we can do... We didn't need the flour to to cut the fish to cut the the, the, the you know so it was it's, it's a different style and it was like generation. Was the food richer in terms of more sauces used? Yes, in it those was. Days? I mean, it, it was. I mean, it, I mean, it was. But it was a style. You know, you make. Yeah. You know, it was a style of making sauce with roux, and you make sauce with you know with thickener. No, we just ready the stock until the stock is perfectly fine on on your plate. You know, and it was a different. It was not better. It was not. It's not like I cook. I did cook better food, but I just it was a different style. You know, it was a different style. It was a different style. What about the food concerns of today, where everybody is very preoccupied with where the food comes from, how it was sourced? You know, a lot, all the dietary restrictions. Did they play as much of a role then as they seem to today? And how have you had to? How have you adapted? I, you know, I. I mean, I think you know. I think today, you know, for I mean, it's always the same thing. I think today we're more aware about what's good for you and what's not good for you, you know? And I think because of that, you know, food have a huge impact of try to eat healthy if you want to stay healthy, you know? And I think that's that. So it's more like an health conscious, you know, than, and I explained that at the Plaza Atenee in the beginning because I was, you know, short little story. You know, we used to have uh, Paul McCartney and Linda McCartney used to stay with us every time they, every time you have a show at Madison Square Garden. Wow. And they always came in the end of the night and they always came, you know, after their show. So they were dining in your restaurant, Paul and Linda McCarty? They were eating in their suite. And every night I had to create, veget- the whole team was vegetarian. Right. And at the time, you know, vegetarian was interesting because vegetarian at the time, the cooks were looking at someone vegetarian, more someone who was like a, a health issue, more like a, someone who could not eat anything. And so they were eating like bland, overcooked vegetables. But they make me understand then they were vegetarian because it was a belief of not eating any meat or not eating any fish, and so I had to be I had to be actually very creative to make sure they were they were pleased and they were staying with us for three nights or four nights and they were like twelve to fifteen people. I mean the whole band was vegetarian, and I remember and, and that was challenging. You know that was challenging, and so I learned I learned really how to adopt. You know I mean adopt to things people really want and realizing. It was a choice of life of lifestyle, and I had to respect that. And I still had to do something very tasty, and something they were looking for. What you know? are some of the flavors that are more popular? I, I know you don't like the word trendy. You know you yeah. don't like to follow trends or get caught up in trends. But were we shaving truffles and? Utilizing truffles in food 10, 20 years ago? 50 years ago, you would have been more lucky because you would have a lot of truffle. You know, I remember my my apprenticeship, we used to have that dish where we took a whole truffle. We wrap, I mean, it's kind of interesting because what we did, we they cooked the truffle. It was kind of like a little bit silly. People realized we don't need to cook them anymore to be able to use them. I mean, I'm talking black truffle because you cannot cook white truffle at all. But uh, but at the time, they were like, you know, chef where, I mean, it was a huge abundance. It was not that expensive. I mean, they were expensive, but not as expensive than they are today. But, it, but was so it used demands, as much back then? Like in Europe, oh, it probably was. But was it in America? It's interesting when you look. In America, no. I mean, in America, it was some, you know, it was probably only used, you know, up in, I think it probably, no, it was not as used in America the way it's used today. No, yeah. definitely not. But, you know, it's the same thing in France. I mean, I grew up, I grew up in North of France. My mom never cooked with olive oil. You know, I mean, I grew up with not eating, you know, we were, my Your mom, mother never cooked with olive oil? No, and, you know, and, you know, and it's only where, you know, the same thing, uh, 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 my aunt, she cooked with butter. Move, move to South of France. So then we got anchovies <laughs> with olive oil, you know. And today, you know, I mean, you know, you go everywhere and you have like three types of different oil on your counter, three types of different, you know, different type of, of vinegar and different type of, you know, even butter, you know. doesn't Olive oil doesn't make the butter taste bad or not good. Just it's a different style of cooking, you know. 
what are some of your favorite flavors? Right oh, you know, I'm today. a very, uh, I, like, I like strong flavor, you know, so strong I mean, the tr- you talk about truffle, I mean, truffle is one of my favorite, truffle is one of my favorite smell, you know, and yes. dish, you know what I mean? I, I always tell people, you have to be careful because truffle, you know, a lot of truffle oil and uh, some of the truffle products you could find, they may not be necessarily true natural flavor and smell, you know, but there's a uh, lot of counterfeit truffle out there. I've heard. Yeah. Well, yeah. It is quite a lot. Yeah. But, but because, because of the demand people, we, they love that s- smell, the sense of truffle. Yeah. You know, so, but you say it's, there's less of it. It's in such high demand, which I guess would make it more expensive. Yeah. Yes. Because I mean, it's only, you know, the, 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 the people, I mean, you know, we try, I think it's few farm in America. We try to, we try to, you know, try to get some truffle, but it's, it's only coming from the same country that it came from. Uh, 18 years ago. I am, I'm just looking at these, this list of restaurants that you've been connected to or affiliated with over the years, um, besides Pigalle's, which is the one that made you really famous after the Masonette, Jean mm-hmm. Bistro, Faux Paris, mm-hmm. Green Up Cafe, yeah. uh, Lava Matic. When I moved to Over the Rhine, I, I don't live in Over the Rhine anymore, but I moved to 12th and Vine. Nice. And that was when Lava Matic was the, <laughs> was the only restaurant. Yeah. I think it was you and Senate, <laughs> and that was... Yeah, and there was mm-hmm. nothing else going on yeah. at OTR mm-hmm. in those days. Um, it was amazing at the time. Yeah, uh, Twist, a, which yeah. mm-hmm. was adjacent to to Pigalle's yeah. place. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Now we got Table, mm-hmm. French Crust Cafe, which we've dined at many times. Thank you. Uh, Restaurant L, Great American Tower, uh, La Bar Buff, mm-hmm. which is up up the hill here yeah, around yeah, the corner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got a lot going on. Yeah, I do. <laughs> And every restaurant's different. Yeah, and it's a different Occasion. level of price, different type of uh, you know, different type of expectation. And I think that's something I do enjoy. You know, be able to to put a team together, try to be involved a lot with uh, the feel of the restaurant, and then be able to give opportunity to uh, to people to dine with us. You know, more often than they want to. And I think it's a and then and that's kind of like really something I enjoy. I mean, it's all you know, all of this restaurant came with a little bit of passion. Of you know of the location mm-hmm. and uh, you know I mean our new you know um, Frenchy Fresh it was something that we talk about doing some you know very quickly sell food and then you know we were able to find a spot in Norwood and you know and it's something where you know you relax me six months before I would have to tell you I'm a, I don't think I would ever do that you know I don't, I don't think I would have done something like that you know no um, reopening you know reopening and not you know re- I mean opening L was something you know where I you know it's I always want to reopen some, you know, an upscale, an upscale experience, you know, where, where the guests are definitely the center of the, of the, you know, are the center of what we do, you know. Do you spend, do you think you find yourself spending more time at restaurant L? Is there one restaurant you spend more time at than another? I do. I mean, I do because I mean, you know, because I, you know, because of what the restaurant, what the restaurant demands, you know, and what, you know, it's not necessarily the, 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 our guests, but it's definitely like, you know, I, I'm there. I mean, I trust, you know, I, I have an amazing team when it comes to the kitchen team. But, you know, it's a restaurant where I feel like a little bit, you know, like my association with, you know, like, you know, and I, I did that with Table for many years. And I think Table has been running by amazing team too, you know, between, the, you know, Metro D and Marie-Lou has been with me since day one we opened. We've been friends since, you know, since I moved to Cincinnati. Same thing with the chef. You know, everybody, you know, I have a connection with everyone on my team. And I think it's it's important, you know, it's a, but L is where I feel comfortable. You know, it's nice to, I think people have an expectation of want to see me. They want to talk to me, and and then after that, I try to jump from restaurant to another and to make sure, like you know, you know. So during the day is is business things, and 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 
want to be there for my for my you know for my team um and i enjoy it i mean i you know i mean of course when you know when i open a, a new place or when i you know when i um my wife sometimes like oh you you know what are you going to do we're never going to see you but you know it's like you know when you enjoy what you do it's not about it's not about put you know going to work it's really enjoying what you do and, and want to be there what do you uh what's what's your favorite wine what type of wine do you like you know, wine is also the you know wine. I mean, one of, of course, you know, if I will have, if I will pick, if I will pick, uh, uh, if I will pick one wine, it will definitely be a Pinot Noir, like a Chauvet Chambertin, or you know, one of these type. You know, I I'm more like a, a Pinot Noir lover than I'm, I am more a Cabernet Sauvignon or Merlot. But it's so hard because you know, if, no, when you say that, I can see it's depending of the dish I'm going to eat. Depends on what you serve. Depending of what you know. So you know. Uh, I have a huge love for wine because that's part of my, that's part of our, you know, that's, that's part of what I do too. You know what I mean? I mean, be able to, uh, be able to match the perfect wine with the perfect dish because of, you know, acidity level, different type of reason, you know, and I think it's, um, is there one part of the world you prefer wine? In other words, like, do you prefer California wines? I mean, I think it's, French a, wines? I think it's, I think it's almost like a, I think it's more about a, I think I would say it's more about a learning experience. You know, you know, it's more like a learning experience. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think it's interesting to, because, you know, I, I mean, I grew up by drinking more French wine than any other wine. I mean, I feel like uh, my knowledge on Italian wine is very is very limited as well than Spanish wine. Right. But I still enjoy them too. You know what I mean? And I think, you know, and of course, you know, when you are used to a, a more like, a, you know, a Bordeaux Cabernet when it's more like a, you know, a little bit softer, a little bit deeper in some way, and then you drink a Cabernet style from California, it's going to be a, it's going to be very different, same thing with Chardonnay. But I think after that is about understanding the wine and understanding what the, you know, winemaker want to do you know, with this wine. So, you know, I mean, I enjoy the Pinot Noir from, uh, from the Oregon. I mean, I think they are so flavorful and beautiful, you know. As a chef and as a restaurateur, is it difficult to find quality talent quality servers how difficult is it to find them here it's a, it's you know i think it's a, a lot of restaurants yeah, a lot and of I, you know I'm, I'm i'm going to you know it's actually difficult today to find you know to find i think it's because of the demand everywhere and i think it's the same you know i've been reading a lot of a uh, article from uh, you know from different from different states or larger city and i think it's a little bit of an issue finding the right staff you know mm. Finding a team is not always easy to put a team together. And so, you know, so automatically what it comes to that is you have to be able to train and be able to, you know, make people understand, you know, what you, why are you doing that? You know, why do you want certain things to be done a certain way? And of course, you know, I always love, you know, I like to say that because I think it's really, you know, it's like, you know what you learn. You know, nobody's born knowing. And I mean, nobody know anything until you learn it. You know, and I think after that, when you learn it, then it's like, if you're really into it, then you will remember. And that's something I always say, you know, regardless if you become a, you know, you go to medical field or music field or cooking field, you know, in the beginning, you have to learn it. And then if you're passionate about it, then the learning will translate to something you're really passionate about and, and enjoying. And I think when you come to the hospitality business and definitely from the front of the house, you know, you see when you meet a young person and you see, okay, that person, I have that in it, you know, like, you know, because it's like, it's many things you need to learn, but it's also things you have to have it inside. And I think to be very, uh, very welcoming, to be very positive, to uh, make you feel comfortable is something. It's something you don't, you know. I mean, you know, I'm sure, you know, 
uh, you get trained by someone. But I, you know, it's it's nice for me when I see young 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 people who, in the beginning, they walk and you know, and the maturity may be hard, or you know, like I can have example with Mary Lou at table, and she was hard on these little young kids, you know, and and then no, you know, some of them went to the food industry, and no, they have so much, you know, it's, they always had the respect for her, but they didn't really understand sometimes what was what she tried to do, you know, and no, they have respect for her because no, they 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 work in the industry and they become on charge and. And know they expect the same thing that she expects from them, from the younger people. And and I love when I see that. You know, I enjoy that so much because it's it's part of growing up. It's part of, of really understanding what you are there for. You really, I mean, I think we both know you could work pretty much anywhere in the world. Why have you stayed in Cincinnati as long as you have? Uh, I don't. I don't know. It was kind of a. I think it's like the time fly. You know, let's be honest with that. Time fly. I think when I moved to Cincinnati, I became the chef of the Maisonette. And when you're the chef of the Maisonette, the Maisonette has so much respect to people. You know, I always loved, I always loved to share that little silly story. How many times I went somewhere and people say, oh, I love the Maisonette, love the Maisonette. And, and I say, when the last time you were there? Well, I've never been, you know. And I, you know, <laughs> it happened to me many times. But I think when I moved here, I think people... I had to get my respect from people, but I think, you know, because I was, I want to be here and I want to do the best job I could for the Maisonette, um, then I got the, I got the welcome, I got this big welcome love that yeah. you, then you have in the Midwest. And I see, and I see that with, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I see that with, with other people who are not necessarily in my field, but, you know, I'm taking, the first person I'm taking is Victoria Morgan from the ballet. You know, she come to town and she really embraced the ballet and she really, she here not just to, you know, it was not on the mind. Okay, what's going to be next? No, it was like I want to be the I want to do the best I can for the city because right. I care about people and I care about what I do. And suddenly, you know, you get turned into that fast life, and then you turn around and it's five years, ten years, and now it's going to be twenty five years by the end of the year. And and Cincinnati, I mean, I'm so happy today because I used to, I've been such a huge ambassador for that town since since I came, you know, because of, you know, the, 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 what Cincinnati gave. I mean, you know, you, you, you know, I mean, I live in New York City and in New York, it's fast life. Everything is extremely expensive. Uh, you may have the Broadway show, but you may not have time to go. You may have the best, some of the best entertainment in the world, but you may not have the time to go in Cincinnati. You, so it's a small town with a lot of big city things, you know, and, uh, and then of course the beauty of the city is wonderful too. I mean, living near the river. I mean, I think it's a lot of things Cincinnati Cincinnati deserves to be recognized for many, many, many years. And finally, I'm kind of happy to see that because no, finally, you know, like, I mean, when you see what's happening over the Rhine, when you see what's happening with every little area in the city, you know, finally the outsiders realize Cincinnati is actually a very livable town. Um, quick story, it was really amusing because when I came back, I had a hard time moving to Cincinnati because of being Cincinnati and not knowing if I should stay in New York or go to a bigger market. Yeah. And uh, so the job was really attract me because I realized I could, I could bring the new generation of food, the new generation, the new style of cooking. Um, I mean, I came with no recipe. I mean, I came and I, you know, I didn't really know what they were expecting from me. But uh, you know, that's one thing. Cincinnati, Cincinnati have a, have this town who's 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 always been welcoming. Everybody I talk to says Cincinnati is a very difficult place to assimilate if you're not from here originally. It's hard to make friends here because people have lived here their whole lives. They're growing up in the same neighborhood. So for outsiders like you and me, I could see how it would be really difficult. But you and I, I think, have one thing in common. And that is, is that when we both came to Cincinnati in our own respective fields, 
you and I both made the decision that we were happy to be here. We were going to embrace the city. We were going to do our best to succeed and give the best possible product that we could give them. And they, in turn, embrace us back. And when when you've got that mutual love, you don't want to leave. That's no, how it happened for exactly, me. Well, exactly, you're completely, completely right. Completely right. You know, I mean, and that's right, you know, when I came uh, I remember coming here and, you know, Jim Tarbell just came, stopped by the restaurant and wanted to meet me. And of course, you know, someone like Jim Tarbell is a local person, but we're very, so part of his city from for decade and decade. And he brought me to Philly Market the week after, the week after I was here, you know. Um, some people talked me for like to the Bengal game two weeks after I was here. I've never been to a football game at, before that. Um, never had a chance to go in New York. And so you suddenly, you, when you become part of the, when you've been part of the of the of the of the of the culture of the culture of what people look for, and you know, look at Cincinnati. I mean, I mean, if you really think after what you said, I was thinking of one thing because you know, look at Porto and Gamble. One of the reasons Porto and Gamble probably became very, pop, you know, very solid in Cincinnati is because you know, like how I many people I met from since from in Cincinnati, from Europe, or from different type of from different different other country or different part of America because of a large corporation like Porto and Gamble. For sure. And so some of the neighborhood they upset these people and then after it's really interesting to see some people who are moving they're moving on, you know, they move on, but they always have a little part of Cincinnati and they remember how good how good of a life they had when they were in Cincinnati. And I see that very often of people who have went back to Europe and then they always talk about Cincinnati like been a very livable town and uh, it's a very charming town. It's a very charming town and I feel as though the fact that you were open to it, you know, you were open to going to Finley Market with Jim Tarbell and you were open to going to the Bengals game and really immersing yourself in the culture. I think they sense that, the people sense that, that made all the difference in the world. I mean, remind me a lot of where I grew up, you know, remind me a lot of, you know, Lille is very similar uh, you know, we don't have ski resort near near us. We don't have the beach near us. You know, but you know, you know, you, the people are like you know real people. You think Cincinnati is very much like Lily France, where you grew up? Yeah, very similar. Yeah. Very, very similar. Let's talk about your foundation, Eat, Play, Give. Mm-hmm. This started when you and your wife lost your child to SIDS mm-hmm. in two thousand two. This has become what is now the largest SIDS foundation in America. Is that right? You know, it's, you know, the foundation got created. I mean, and I, you know, I, I always feel um, unfair to take the credit because the foundation was really creating by most, more because of all the support we received from, from, from the community and from our friend more than it was something that it was, you know, it was a, uh, than something I decided to do. And it was kind of like a, um, a different different factor will happen where people really realize what we went through was like you know can happen to everyone and um, and we had the support of our friend to be able to to be strong and to upset what happened what just happened and uh, and I think that was you know it's not like I, I don't remember one day or um, us saying oh we want to do something I mean of course what I want to do was more like make people aware than can happen to anyone you know and I think it's not something you you know you think it can ever happen, and so, but when it happened to you, then you become a different person. You know, you're a different person because you feel affected by just happened to you. And I think the most important things in this situation is feeling the is feeling the you know the the love from your friend and the, you know the you know so having people around you and giving you full support to you know and so. 
the foundation was created definitely because of uh, the support of friends and the support of the community and uh, and the support from the chef and the restaurant people. I mean, you know, so um, as a restaurant town, though, I think every chef are always there to support that. And it's so, and I see so many younger chefs now having kids, and so it's a, it's you know, it's a feel good things, you know, and uh, and if you know. After is, no is, is the restaurant community like that? I mean, is it really tight knit? It's a very uh, strong. You're all it's very, very competitive. It's a, yes, but I mean, it's one of this, you know. But I, I think it is, and I think is, you know, I think it is competitive, but I think at the same time is, it's not, you know, because you know it's a small town, and I think you know, and we care for another, you know. I mean, we care for another. I mean, you know, everybody care for another, and of course, you know, like, you know, because everybody wants to make sure everybody, you know, why not everybody cannot be successful? Everybody should be able to be successful. Do you listen to Second Date Update in the morning? Yes, sometimes I do, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he says that with this look on his face like he's a little guilty. It's like a guilty pleasure for him. How did you discover Second Date Update? Uh, I guess driving my daughter to school. <laughs> right how, how old is your daughter now? She's going to be 14 in a few weeks, yes. So when I drive her, that's what I listen to in the morning, yes. I have to tell people that uh, <laughs> I, there was one day, I think it was the table, and I was there with my niece, and uh, you were talking about how, you, how much you enjoyed Second Date Update, which is why I brought this up. <laughs> And he also said, but you know, sometimes I have to change the channel because it gets a little too yeah. risque for my daughter who's in the car. Yeah. But uh, Jean Robert, I'm telling you, I could sit here all day and I mm -hmm. could talk to you Thank about you. this, that, and the other thing. I've really enjoyed this and it's a pleasure having you here. Uh, you really are a local legend. You're one of the most fascinating people that I've ever met. I consider <laughs> myself, you, I'm, a, I'm a groupie very much in <laughs> the way. You. I know. You know. I remember when you had at Pigalle's, a table mm -hmm. in the kitchen, you know, where you could kind of see everything that was going it on. Was right there, yeah. You want to talk about dinner and a show. Yes, I mean, I think it was, you know, when we, we had the right space and actually had, we are working at L on the space and we probably will put a chef table very soon at L kitchen, you know, in That L would be incredible. Kitchen and then it's a, but I think what, you know, was fascinating, I have to be honest, because, you know, I, I never, I never had that before and it's something I had the room at Pigalle's to be able to do it. And so we did it. And it was very interesting because, you know, the, some people were coming and they were watching us. And then after that, they were into their conversation. And I think that was a perfect, it was a perfect setting, you know. Yeah. But it was also very nice for the people in the back, you know, for all, because, you know, when we are in the back, and that's one of the reasons, like, open kitchen became very popular. But it was so nice for the young cooks to realize how much their work met to people who were eating. Because sometimes, you know, we do a dish and we do, you know, it's, it's a seasoned dish, and so the the dish will be the same during the whole season. You know, the whole season. Right. And sometimes we, you know, we lose. You know, we 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 don't have the connection. You know, then yeah. then you create something, and then people are actually eating it and eating it in a way where they're really excited about the flavor, yeah. they're excited about certain thing. And I think for for the young, you know, for the team to see that was really really exceptional. I have to say, there really is something about seeing it created. That I mean, I'm excited that it's coming to the table anyway because I know what I ordered. But to be able to see it being created is just fascinating. And I think what you have is a is a gift. We're glad that you brought your talents you. to Cincinnati. <laughs> thank you, Jean Robert. Thank thanks you, for Jeff. coming on thank Person you so of much Interest. For me over. Person of Interest is produced by Natalie Jones. If you found Jean Robert as interesting as I did, and I hope you did, send us an email. To POI, which stands for Person of Interest, POI at WKRQ.com. And feel free to make a suggestion for a future person of interest. Natalie and I are going to continue to produce more of these episodes in the coming months. So 
Please be sure to check back with us on occasion, and don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Until next time, for Person of Interest, I'm Jeff Thomas. Thanks for listening. These are the people behind the stories that matter to you. Thanks for listening to Q102's Person of Interest with Jeff Thomas. Pop quiz. What can you buy for $3.99? Not a latte, but for less than the cost of a cup of coffee, you can get all your favorite music ad-free. While other streaming services jack up their prices, Live One's membership is only $3.99 per month, and you can lock in that price for a full year. Join now to get the best deal in music with zero ads, unlimited skips, and maximum audio quality. Get the music you love at a price that fits into your budget with Live One Plus. Check out liveone.com slash best music for details. It's official. Xfinity has increased internet speeds again. And they deliver the fastest mobile service with 5G and millions of Wi-Fi hotspots. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply.